Welcome to this podcast from Harvest Community Church of Huntersville, North Carolina, where our vision is to make disciples who make disciples. I'm your host, Liz Stefanini. Well, I want to invite you this morning to turn with me to Psalm 65. If you have your copy of God's Word or open up your Bible app to Psalm 65 is where we're going to hang out today. As Pastor Jerry said, we are looking at a psalm every week this summer and we are encouraging you to meditate on that psalm throughout the week so that you come prepared for worship together each week. And this morning, Psalm 65, we were calling it a song of provision. This psalm is a song of thanksgiving, of praising God for a good harvest that was written by King David. It celebrates God's goodness to his people. As, as I read this psalm, I imagine God's people doing much the same as we have done already this morning, coming together to praise the Lord and to bless the Lord and to celebrate his goodness. And this psalm, this song would have possibly been sung when the first grain of the barley harvest was brought to the Lord as an offering. And as I studied this psalm over the last couple of weeks, a question kept coming back to my mind. And that question was, what do you need to survive? What do you need to survive? And really that depends on the context and the situation that you're in. If you're stuck in the desert, you need water and you need a compass unless you can navigate by the stars. If you haven't eaten for a few weeks and you're starving, you probably need some food. And as I reflected on this question, the show MacGyver kept coming back to my mind. Now, I've never seen the remake. They did a remake a few years ago. But as a kid, there were a few shows that I really loved to watch with my dad growing up. And MacGyver was one of those shows because MacGyver was awesome. He was a, a spy or a secret agent. I don't really remember what MacGyver was. But I remember that it didn't matter what situation he was in, who he was trying to save, how dangerous the situation was. MacGyver always had what he needed to survive. If he had his pocket knife and like a shoelace and a stick of bubble gum, MacGyver had whatever he needed because he was so resourceful, he would use what was around him to make what he needed to survive or to build whatever needed to be made to complete the mission and to get home safely. Well, this kept coming back to my mind because in Psalm 65, what we see this morning is that God is all we need to survive. God provides everything we need for life. God is everything we need to survive because God meets all of our needs. And we know that God provides all we need for life because God answers prayer, God forgives sin, and God provides for his creation. This is our outline for Psalm 65 this morning. As we walk through this psalm, we are going to see God hear and answer the prayers of his people. We are going to see that God forgives sins, and we're going to see that God provides for and sustains his creation. So let's read through Psalm 65 today, starting in verse 1. 
for the director of music, a psalm of David, a song. Praise awaits you, our God, in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you all people will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your holy house, of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who form the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty. And your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks. And the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. Now from the beginning of this psalm, we can see that God is the focus. We see throughout this entire psalm that God deserves to be praised. In this psalm, David is calling the people of God back to Zion, back to the city of God to praise God for all he has done, to praise him for his goodness and so that the people can fulfill their vows. These vows that David talks about are expressions of gratitude and praise because God has fulfilled his promises to his people. God has heard and answered their prayers, so David calls the people back together to praise God. And what we see in the end of the psalm, what we will see, one of the specific prayers that God has heard and answered is for rain. In this dry part of the world, the people prepared the land to grow the crops that they need, and they prayed for rain, and God sent the rain to meet their needs. And so David calls the people back together because God has answered their prayers. Today, God still hears and answers the prayers of his people. The other day, I was talking to Pastor Jerry, and I asked him, I said, Pastor Jerry, how did God answer your prayers for an associate student pastor? And he said, Corey, God answered every single one of my prayers for an associate student pastor. And I thought, man, that's awesome. What were you praying for, Jerry? And he said, well, I had a list of things I was praying for. So I said, because sometimes it's difficult to get information from Jerry if you've never had a conversation with him. I said, Jerry, what was on that list? He said, there were a lot of things on that list. I said, okay, Jerry, what was number one? What was the top thing on your list? And he said, Corey... The top of my list, the most important thing that I was praying for was a good-looking associate pastor (laughs) with a great beard. (laughs) And I thought, 
Check. God answered that prayer. I said, Jerry, what was number two on your list? He said, Corey, the second thing that I was praying for was just the smartest, most intelligent associate pastor we could find. And I thought, yep, that's two for two. But just to make sure that Jerry was actually praying for me and not somebody else, I said, Jerry, what was the third thing on your list? And he said, Corey, the third thing on my list was we were praying for the coolest associate pastor with a great sense of humor and a great personality that everybody wants to be around. And I thought, absolutely, I could not even describe myself any better than that if somebody asked me to describe myself. Now, in all seriousness, that's not what Jerry and the search team and you at Harvest were praying for. You all were praying for the right man to fit in with the staff team, to fit in here at Harvest, to come and love on the students and to love on you. We know now that you were praying for Kayla and I. But even before Harvest was praying for us, we were praying for you. We just didn't know that. You see, when God led us, when God showed us that he was leading us to a new place, Kayla and I sat down and we wrote out a list of the things that we were, pr- that we were praying for in this new place, in this new church that God was sending us to. And I'm not going to read the whole list to you, but I want to read a few things from this list of what we were praying for in a new church. We were praying for a church with small groups. Here we call them community groups. We were praying for a church that would be a place where we could build community. We were praying for a church where the staff is a family, where we feel free and encouraged to worship. We were praying for a church with mission partnerships throughout the world. And we were praying for a church where we would grow and be challenged by the teaching of God's word. Now, if you've been at Harvest for a while, you know that I just described Harvest to you. And if you're visiting, if you're wondering what type of church Harvest is, that's the kind of church that Harvest is. The Bible directs our teaching. We don't just pick a topic and teach. We teach directly from God's Word. We don't want you to just show up on Sunday mornings and be a consumer of worship. We want you to plug in to a community group and to live in community with other believers. 18% of everything that's given goes to missions. If you haven't seen it, our mission wall is out here on your left, on my right, and you can see where our missionaries are throughout the world. You see, God still hears and answers the prayers of his people. This past week, God answered another big prayer in our lives. Even as far back as the 40 days of prayer, even before that, Kayla and I have been praying for a house. Many of you have joined in with us in praying for a house. Well, Sunday night, Kayla was looking on Realtor and she found a house that she really liked. And she said, hey, I think we should go look at this house. And by this point, we'd driven by more houses than I really can remember to look at. But I told her, I said, okay, we were both working Monday. I said, all right, I'll drive by the house as I'm eating lunch on Monday. 
And so Monday afternoon, I grabbed my ham and cheese sandwich and headed over to the university area to drive by this house. And as I got in the neighborhood, I thought, man, I really love this neighborhood. And as I got back to the house, I was like, man, I really love this house. We should look at this house. So Kayla called our amazing realtor, Miss Heather Freeman, and Heather set us up an appointment to go tour the house. She got us an appointment for Monday evening at 5 o'clock. Talk about good service. We called her at like 1, and at 5, she had us an appointment to tour the house. Well, Kayla couldn't get off work to tour the house. So Heather took me on a tour of the house, and I FaceTimed Kayla. And Monday night, we got to talking, and we decided to make an offer on the house that Kayla had not yet seen. All through this process, Heather kept reminding us, don't fall in love with a house. You're going to see a lot of houses. You're going to make many offers. Don't fall in love with a house. Well, we decided to make an offer on this house. And Wednesday morning, I'm driving into the office, and Heather calls me. And the house is really the last thing on my mind at the time. Heather is one of the leaders in our ladies' ministry. They're getting ready for the fall, so it's not that uncommon for her to give me a call. And she calls me. I said, hey, Heather, how are you doing? She said, hey, Corey, I'm good. How are you? I said, I'm good. She said, the sellers want to accept your offer to buy the house. To which I replied, what? (laughs) Kayla finally got to see the house yesterday when it was inspected. And as long as God continues to open this door, which it really seems like he is, we close on this house September 13th. And as only God can do when God answers prayers, September 13th is a big day in our lives. September 13th is an important day for harvest as well. Because last year, September 13th was my first day here at Harvest on staff. God still hears and answers the prayers of his people. Now, he doesn't always answer in the time that we want, and he doesn't always answer in the way that we want. At times, he says, yes, we know when we pray in Jesus' name, according to his will, we have what we have asked for. But at other times, God says, not now. God, God says, wait, and God says, keep praying. And if I can be honest with you this morning, church, that's probably my least favorite answer from the Lord. I don't, I don't really like the not now, wait and keep praying. And sometimes God answers your prayers and he says no. In 2 Corinthians, multiple times Paul prayed and asked for the thorn to be removed from his flesh. And God said no. Paul asked for the Lord to remove this thorn from his flesh. And God said no, Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. And friends, I don't know what your week was like. I don't know what you're facing right now. I don't know the big things that you're praying for or maybe the things that you're struggling with in your life. But here's what I do know. Just like it was for Paul, God's grace is sufficient for you. God hears 
the prayers of his people and his grace is sufficient. And one way that I encourage all of us to apply Psalm 65 to our lives today is to develop a habit of journaling your prayers. If you've never done it, if you've never actually developed the habit of writing out your prayers, if you'll develop that habit, I promise you will be blessed by the way your prayer life will grow. At the very least, I encourage you to write out the things that you are praying for so that when God answers your prayers, you can come back and praise him. Because he is a God who hears and answers the prayers of his people and we should praise him for that. Look back with me at verses 1 and 2. It reads, Praise await you, our God, in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer... To you, all people will come. We should praise God because he answers prayer. And we should also praise God because he forgives sin. In verse 3, David tells us that when we were overwhelmed by sin, God forgave our transgressions. Speaking to the people of Israel, he says, when we were overwhelmed by sin, God forgave our transgressions. Now, what does this look like? We could all probably answer this question for ourselves of what it looks like to be overwhelmed by sin. But I think Paul does a great job in Romans chapter 3 in verses 10 through 18 of describing what it looks like to be overwhelmed by sin. Because in these eight verses, he describes to us every person who lives without Christ. Every person who has not put their faith in Jesus. And I think he does a great job of describing it. So I'm going to let him describe it for us this morning. Starting in Romans 3, starting in verse 10. It reads, As it is written, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. What does it look like to be overwhelmed by sin? Here, as I said, Paul is describing everyone who has not put their faith in Jesus. No one is righteous, not even good. They have turned away from God. Lies and deceit are in their tongue. He says their throats are open graves. The poison of vipers is on their lips. They do not know peace. There is no desire to know God. There is no respect for God in them. But David doesn't stop with when we were overwhelmed by sin. He says... God forgave our transgressions when we were overwhelmed by sin. When we were far from God, when we were his enemies, God made a way for our transgressions to be forgiven. And this is how Psalm 65 
points forward to Jesus. Jesus is the way that our transgressions are forgiven. By putting your faith in Jesus, your sins are forgiven. You are made righteous. Your transgressions are cleansed. And you are welcomed into the family of God. And Paul describes what this is like for us also in Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 21. It reads, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunishment, unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. You see, in Jesus our sins are forgiven because Jesus is the one who died in our place to pay the price for the sins of the world. So it's by putting your faith in Jesus that your transgressions are forgiven. And I love what Paul says there in Romans chapter 3 You don't do anything to earn this. There is no work. The payment has already been paid. This righteousness is given to you, is imputed to you through Jesus. Through putting your faith in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and following after Jesus. This is how our transgressions are forgiven when we are overwhelmed by sin. But not only Are your sins forgiven? In verse 4 of Psalm 65, we see that you are brought near to God to live in his courts. And you are filled with good things from the Lord. Now, in Psalm 65, these good things aren't defined. But when we think of good things coming into the Lord's court and being drawn close to the Lord, we should think of spiritual refreshment. When we draw close to the Lord, our spirits are refreshed. We are encouraged. We know peace. We are strengthened. And we are filled up so that we can do God's will. Look with me at verses 3 and 4. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. Now, in the rest of this psalm, we see that God's power and blessing extend to all of creation. God's power and God's blessings extend to everything that he has created. And we see this throughout creation. He is the one who formed the mountains. He is the one who calms the seas and tells the waters where to stop on the shoreline. This past summer, our last day at camp with the students was Thursday afternoon, was Thursday. And Thursday afternoon, we went down to the beach. And that just happened to be the best beach day that we had all week. The tide was coming in. 
So the waves were at their highest. It was the best day to be boogie boarding or body surfing or really anything. So we were playing for a little while. And after we'd been out there for a while, one of the guys went to the shoreline and started digging a hole in the sand. And I went up to him. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm digging a hole. And I said, don't you know that's not going to work? I said, the tide's coming in. You're never going to keep the water out of the hole. And he said, no. He he had it really well planned out. He said, no, I'm going to dig some trenches so that the trenches catch the water so it can't get to my hole. And so as I stood there, I watched him sit in the hole and begin to dig trenches out from his hole. And in about 30 seconds, he realized that he was fighting a losing battle. Because the tide was coming in and it took all of about a minute for those trenches that he was digging to be on his lap. And where at once there was a hole, there was a student covered up to his waist in sand. You see, he didn't have the power to stop the waves so that he can dig his hole. Only God has power over his creation. Only God can say to the waves, peace. Be still. And they listen. God is the one who tells the seas where to stop. And what we see in Psalm 65 is just as God has power over creation, he has power over the nations to calm the turmoil of the nations. Which I think is a good word for us to hear today in our nation and in our world It would be easy to look around and say, things are out of control. There is so much turmoil, things are out of control. But David reminds us in Psalm 65, who is in complete control of all of his creation. And that is our Father, our Creator, the one who sustains us. And we see in Psalm 65... God's power over creation and his ability to sustain creation. In the last four verses, we see that the people had prepared the land for rain. They had dug their trenches. They had prepared and planted seed and they prayed to God asking for rain. And as God so often does, out of his abundance, he sent the rain so that his carts overflow. And the people are provided for. Look with me, starting in verse 5. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Savior. The hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. Who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength. Who stilled the roaring of the seas and the roaring of the waves and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. 
The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks. And the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. So in closing, let me ask you. What do you need to survive today? What do you need for life today? I don't know what you faced this week. I don't know what you're going to face in the next week. I don't know the heavy burdens that you are all dealing with today. But here's what I do know. God hears and answers the prayers of his people. And God provides for his creation. God provides everything that we need for life. So how can we apply Psalm 65 to our lives today? I want to give you two ways to apply this. The first is to come near to God and praise Him. We have done that today. The second way is to rely upon Him to provide all that you need. Thanks again for joining us today from Harvest Community Church. This podcast is also available on our website, harvestcharlotte.com. Please go there if you want to send a question or comment, learn more about our ministries, or find out how you can donate to support the podcast.